Welcome to the Truth Across Time podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Farmer. As a lifelong student of history and English, I enjoy learning about the cultures, customs, and lifestyles in the Bible. Please join me as we explore the fascinating world of biblical events and the people involved. You'll see that the people of the Bible had concerns, triumphs and tragedies, joys and sorrows, successes and failures, not too different from our own. But because the Bible is God's Word, we can learn spiritual, eternal truths while looking at those people. Now let's go on this adventure and explore the truths that cross the limits of time and location. Welcome to the newest Truth Across Time podcast series, Visiting with the Prophets. This week we're going to take a look at the prophet Ezekiel. His name literally means God strengthens or God is strong. He was possibly one of the more unusual prophets in that he was also a priest. The book of Ezekiel contains a lot of symbolic writing that seems to many of us to be incomprehensible. Also, he presents some scenes in his book that are really kind of horrifying. The book of Ezekiel contains such disturbing imagery that For many years, early rabbis banned the book for anyone under 30 years of age. I know I've repeated some history of Israel in several podcasts, but that's because it's important to understand many of the topics we've covered in their historical context. That definitely adds to one's understanding of how and why some things happened. With the prophets, I believe that the historical context is important because so many people and so many events are referenced in the prophecy, and understanding the course of events helps one to understand some of those passages. As you may know, Israel was split into two kingdoms around 930 BC. The northern kingdom kept the name of Israel, while the southern kingdom became known as Judah or Judea. Because of the extreme wickedness and heathen worship that both kingdoms allowed to flourish, both kingdoms eventually experienced the wrath of God. He warned them time and time again to repent, but they didn't. The northern kingdom had an unbroken succession of wicked kings who encouraged and even participated in the idol worship and led the kingdom to utter destruction. God allowed the Assyrian Empire to conquer the northern kingdom once and for all in 722 BC. The people were exiled to other lands and forced to assimilate into other cultures, eventually losing their identity and heritage altogether. That northern kingdom lasted approximately 200 years, maybe closer to 208 years. The southern kingdom Judah lasted a bit longer, around a a total of 344 years, about 136 years longer than the northern kingdom. Judah was invaded by the Babylonian Empire three times, once around 605 BC when the prophet Daniel and many other Jews were taken captive to Babylon, and again in 597 BC. The final conquest of Judah came in 586 B.C., about 10 or 11 years later. 
At that time, Jerusalem had been under siege for two to maybe two and a half years. The city and the temple were utterly destroyed, and most of the people were taken captive to Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah was an eyewitness to the horrors of that final conquest. Ezekiel, the prophet we're looking at this week, along with thousands of other Jewish men and women, had been taken captive into Babylon during the second invasion in 597 B.C. They were treated sort of like political prisoners, actually quite lenient by ancient standards. They were pretty much free to live as they liked in Babylon as long as they didn't try to escape back to Judah. The capital city of Babylonia was the city of Babylon, It was located about, oh, roughly 50 miles south of what is modern-day Baghdad in Iraq. It's set on the Euphrates River, and its name is derived from a word that literally means gate of God. The city of Babylon was large, rich, and important. Many historians say that the city was about 56 miles in circumference, the distance around it. The city was constructed mainly of brick because stone was pretty scarce in that area. It contained houses that were three and four stories high, pretty impressive for ancient times. The city walls had 25 gates on each side, meaning 100 gates in all, and they were made of bronze or they were bronze-plated. The streets were laid out in a very orderly fashion, not too different from an American suburb. The city sat on both sides of the Euphrates River. The two sides of the city were connected by a stone bridge equipped with piers that were covered by wooden movable platforms. Palaces sat on both sides of the city, and a tunnel beneath the river connected the palaces. The city of Babylon also contained the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It seems that Ezekiel did not live in the city of Babylon, but somewhere in or near the village of Tel Abib on the river Kibar. This river was actually man-made, and in truth it was a very long canal that King Nebuchadnezzar had had constructed, the source, of course, being the Euphrates River. I said all that to simply share that Babylon was richer and more powerful and more impressive than any other ancient power before it. It had great military strength, and Judah could not have hoped to withstand it without God's intervention. But Judah had, as a whole, turned its back on God, and just like the northern kingdom about 136 years earlier had been conquered by the Assyrian Empire, now God allowed the Babylonian Empire to destroy Judah, a punishment for their idolatry and blasphemy against the true and living God. Ezekiel's message boils down to two main points. One, he warned that God was going to allow the Babylonians to destroy Judah. They had refused to repent of their gross sin and turn back to God. The other main point was this. God will eventually 
send the Jews back home to rebuild their nation. Ezekiel's message is hard to hear, but it does offer hope. God will keep his covenant with the Jewish people. They will eventually return. Remember, Ezekiel had been a priest. Now, when he was taken captive into Babylon, he's basically out of a job. But God calls him to be a prophet. There's nothing particularly unusual about the words that God speaks to Ezekiel when he calls him. But the vision is what we might call bizarre. This week's scripture reading is from the first chapter of Ezekiel, verses 1 through 6. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kibar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its mist like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Verses 7 through 28, actually it's the rest of chapter 1, gives more details. Please read it for yourself. It's fascinating, but pretty incomprehensible to most of us. This was Ezekiel's vision of God in his glory, riding on a type of chariot throne. There are several interpretations of what the four creatures, verses 5 through 10, represent. Some people, including the first century writer Arrhenius, say that the creatures represent the four writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Supposedly, the man represented Matthew, the lion represented Mark, the ox or the calf represented Luke, and the eagle represented John. Other people say that the four faces represent four aspects of Jesus' redemption of mankind. The lion represents Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah, his majesty and power. The calf or ox, represents his service and his sacrifice. The face of the man represents his humanity and his intercession for mankind, the only begotten Son of God. The eagle represents his ability to see, to discern people's hearts, and his ability to judge. The eagle was used to represent various characteristics of the Messiah in many other scriptures. But even if we aren't certain about the interpretation, we know that God's revelation to Ezekiel is profound and has purpose. God's majesty and might is clearly indicated. 
Perhaps more than any other prophet, Ezekiel is dramatic in delivering the bad news that he's told to deliver. He records vivid word pictures and even actually sometimes draws pictures. The judgment of Judah and Jerusalem is depicted in chapters 3 through 24. But in chapters 25 through 32, Ezekiel also prophesied against Gentile nations, those who persecuted and mistreated God's chosen people. Even though God allowed these persecutions to happen, he did it for a greater purpose, to eventually have his chosen people return to him. Yes, those other nations were his instruments of judgment, but woe unto them also, for they indulged in conquest for power and riches and, in many cases, cruelly mistreated God's chosen people. Chapters 33 through 39 talk about Israel's restoration and the punishment of her enemies. And chapters 40 through 48 present us with scenes and information about Jesus' millennial kingdom, the kingdom that he'll establish on earth when he returns at the end of the tribulation period. Ezekiel is a somewhat lengthy book, and it's not the easiest book to understand. But it is rich and deep and is well worth your time to read and study it. Some of the prophecies are plain and some are not plain at all, at least until you dig a little deeper and maybe have the help of people who have devoted their lives to studying them and provide us with commentaries and analyses. Some of the more intriguing actions and prophecies do require study such as? Well, here are a few examples. Number one, Ezekiel lying on his left side for 390 days, and then on his right side for 40 days. That's taken from chapter 4. Then, a second example, eating bread cooked over a fire that was fueled by manure, also from chapter 4. Then another example, Ezekiel shaving his head and beard and dividing the hair into three equal parts. And then, last but not least, um, in this list, Ezekiel was forbidden by God to publicly mourn for his wife when she died. That was from chapter 24. Possibly the most famous prophecy of all in Ezekiel is in chapter 37. It's commonly referred to as the Valley of Dry Bones, or Skeletons. Of course, there are plenty of other examples. Some of the prophecies are understood pretty readily, but many are not. Some prophecies are hideous. Some are glorious. But they're all important, and all are deeply meaningful. Maybe in a future podcast, we'll revisit some of Ezekiel's specific prophecies, The imagery is fantastic, and we can learn something about decoding that imagery from people who have spent their lives studying God's Word and who have allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal meaning to them. Again, we can't do justice to this book of prophecy in one podcast, but I hope your interest is stirred enough to explore it further. It would be time well spent. All of God's Word is deep and rich and 
We should be so very grateful for this incomparable gift he has given us. Don't you agree? A single lifetime is not enough to take it all in, and we can be endlessly immersed in and fascinated by and learn from the greatest collection of books ever written, the Holy Bible. Please join me on my next podcast as we study more Truth Across Time. I hope this podcast encourages you to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. But if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, I pray you will ask Him to be the Lord of your life today. God bless. See you next week.